Tonight, we're going to continue looking at God's principles for life. I've never called them before, but that before, but really that's what they are. God's principles for life. If you remember back in our study in John, we saw that Jesus gives life. He tells us he is the life, that in him we have spiritual life. We also have physical life, and he also gives us abundant life, life full of life. Well, here is the deal. Be sure and understand this. We do not have to get to heaven in order to start enjoying life full of life. Sometimes we have that mindset. It is a tough day. It's a tough world that we're living in, and we cannot enjoy our eternal life, life abundant, until we reach the glory of heaven. Well, that's, that's not true. In Christ, we have life. We have that if we put our faith in Jesus right now. Then in God's Word, we have His principles for life. And as we put them into practice, we are able to enjoy life as He intends, as He is teaching us. And so what a blessing that is. Tonight we are looking at God's principles for life. Nothing less than that, God's principles for life. Now we're going to start back tonight so far in the 19th chapter, it's a pattern that's gone on for quite a while, but in the 19th chapter, God has been saying to us, do this and do not do that. In order to be blessed, be sure and do these things. Be sure and do not do these other things. Now remember last week we saw our job, our response is to discipline ourselves accordingly. And that's what we do. We have to hear God's word. We have to take God at his word and then order our lives, discipline ourselves accordingly, listening to God's word, obeying his truth. Now, before we start moving tonight, let me say this. If you like things straight up, you know what, just give it to me straight up. If you like clear instruction, I, I just want you to come out and give me clear instruction. If you like practical takeaways, then our study in Proverbs ought to be your thing. And I sometimes think, you know, if God will just tell me, if he'll make it plain, I'll do those things. If that's how you want it, if you want a practical takeaway, this ought to be your study here in Proverbs. Do this, do not do this. All right, let's start back tonight. Now, we left off in verse 23 last week. We're going to start back in verse 24. We're going to work our way to the end of the 19th chapter, and then next week we'll start in chapter 20. All right, chapter 19, Proverbs, verse 24. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish, but will not even bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish, but will not even bring it back to his mouth. Now, if you remember, we've seen it a bunch in our study. God built us to work. As humans, as people, God built us to work. Now, before the fall, before sin, he gave us work to do. Work is not a punishment. Sometimes we think that. Work is not because of sin. We had jobs before sin entered in. It is how we are created. We find purpose in work. As humans, we have a sense 
of accomplishment, even joy in producing work. That's how God built us. Well, see tonight, God takes a hard stand against those who do not work. And I can't, I can't soften that up for you. We've seen it several times. We see it in this verse. He takes a hard stand against those who will not work. As we've studied, we talked about those that are lazy, those that are sloths, those that are slothful, those that are sluggards. Um, tonight, we're, we're with this word, a sluggard. Have you ever seen a slug? I don't know, when it rains or you pick up a rock, you ever see a slug? They are gross. They are slow moving. They're these blobby things. They leave a trail. I don't know what that is. They're leaving a trail behind them. That is this little slug, just, just slugging along, just grossing along. That's actually the word. That's the picture. See this picture. Here is a person that God says is a sluggard, like a slug in their actions. How lazy is a sluggard? Well, God tells us. He buries his hand in the food dish. His hand is full of food, but the sluggard is so lazy, it will not bring it up and feed himself. That's how lazy they are, starving, death, hungry. Maybe somebody else will come along and feed me. Their hand is in the food dish, but it's too much effort to bring it back out and to feed himself. The food is there, won't even feed himself. There's a lot of weird sayings that people say and they attribute to the Bible or attribute to God. People say God helps those who help themselves. Now, I've never found that in a verse. I don't know where they get that. God helps those who help themselves. I don't think the Bible says that. But it does tell us God speaks sternly of those who will not help themselves. God speaks very clearly, very sternly about those that won't take care of their business, those that won't tend to themselves. I was, I was thinking about this seven or eight years ago. There was a guy who came by, and, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of this that happens, and, and there's all sorts of needs. There's a guy that came by the church, and he came by on a weekday, and he, and he came in my office, and he has kids. He has younger kids, and he told me about his kids, and he, and he told me about a story. He'd lost his job, and he'd gotten a new job, but he was waiting on his paycheck at his new job. And once he got his paycheck at his new job, he would be able to do all of these things. And he, and he had this story. And, and there's all sorts of needs. But here he had this story. And he said he had no food. I, we have no food. I've got these kids. And, I, and I, I talked to somebody. And they gave us some money. And we took that money. And we bought food. And we've used it all up. And I talked to my parents. They live here in town. And they helped us out. But now they can't help us out. We've used up all the money they can help us with. And, and, and he said, you know, we have no food. And he said, if you could just help us get some groceries. We do not need any money. We do not need rent. And he said, we do need rent. But I'm not asking you for that. But if we could just get some groceries, that would help us out. So I listened to his story, and he left, and I went to the store, and I bought four bags of groceries. And we got all the stuff. There was bread, and there's peanut butter, and beans, and spaghetti, and spaghetti sauce, all the stuff. We're going we're gonna to help this guy along. 
And I'll never forget this. I, I came to his house. I, it was about 5.30 in the evening. And he's sitting on the porch and he's looking at his phone. That's fine. He's sitting on the porch looking at his phone. Now, I want, I want to say this. The guy's younger than I am. He, he wasn't older than I am. He's younger than I am. And I pull up and I open the door to my pickup and I have these bags of groceries. And he's holding his phone and he said, if you'll put those on the table, that'd be great. And I thought, well, okay. So I got the ba two bags of groceries. I only have two hands. And I had the two bags of groceries. And I walked by and he said, the door's open. And he just sat there looking at his phone. I opened the door and there's his wife and she's in the kitchen doing something. And I put the two bags of groceries on his tables, kitchen table. And I turned around and I went back out and got the next two bags of groceries. And he had, had something going on good on his phone. He kept looking at it. And I put those on the table. And, and with the second load, um, I don't know if it matters, but he lit a cigarette. <laughs> he had him a cigarette. And he said, you know what? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I don't know, but that burned me up. <laughs> that burned me up. And I thought about this verse, and I think about it tonight when I go back to this verse. Your, your sluggard hand is in the food dish, and you're too dadgum lazy to bring it up and feed your mouth. You know what? I, I don't know. I'm kind of weird. Maybe if I was that guy, I'd have run and I'd have helped grab those groceries. Maybe I'd have come out and got all those groceries. But a sluggard is a person whose hand is actually in the food dish, and they're too lazy to feed themselves. Let me tell you, over and over and over again, every single week, we come to this subject. And I, I, it must be important. I believe it is. And our kids ought to know this. And our young people ought to know this. And all, all people, our older people ought to know this. Here's the biblical principle. Results follows work. That's the biblical principle. Results, I'd like to have that. I'd like to see that. I wish we had that. Results always follows work. Here's what God says. He blesses work. Go to work. God blesses work. That is a biblical principle. God blesses work. <laughs> this is online. I may have some people in my house tonight when I get done. He won't come to the door anyway. Verse 25. <laughs> Verse 25 says this. Strike a scoffer and the naive may become shrewd. But reprove one who has understanding, and he will gain knowledge. Strike a scoffer, and the naive may become shrewd, but reprove one who has understanding, and he will gain knowledge. Now, verse 25 is a reoccurring theme. Evidently, again, it's something we need to take hold of, something we need to learn. Uh, let, me, let me define some names here. A scoffer is a person that scoffs at God's system, that scoffs at God's wisdom, God's truth. Now, they laugh at it. Um, it's not just the denial of it. They mock it and laugh at it. They scoff at what God has said. In Psalm 1, it says, do not sit in the seat of scoffers. Ha, oh, that's not true. That's, that's laughable. That's, that's a scoffer. Well, it says if you strike them. Now, what that means is if you correct them, if you punish them, if you bluntly point out the truth, 
The naive, now what that means is, it's, it's a word in the original language that means they did not have the truth. They did not know the truth. And so here's this person, and they are a scoffer. They mock and laugh at God's word. They do not have the truth. But if you correct them, punish them, point them to the truth, it says they may become shrewd. Now, this word means not smarter, not full of understanding or wisdom or knowledge. We're going to see that in the next part of the verse. This word means crafty. That's, that's really what it means, the idea of crafty. And so here's a person, and they're a scoffer, and they laugh at the wisdom of God, and now they've been punished for not having the truth, and they might become crafty. Here's what that means. See if it rings a bell. That person will learn how not to get into trouble. That person will learn how not to get caught. That's what happens. They don't learn their lesson. They're not better off. They try and beat the system. That's what shrewd means. And so you take a person and they're a scoffer. They laugh at the word of God. They have punishment. They don't know the truth. But instead of responding in wisdom and understanding, they become shrewd. You know what? I won't get caught in that again. I'll find a way to loop behind it. I'll work at gaming, at beating the system. That is a shrewd response. Do you know people like that? They're not going to do the right thing. They're just going to work hard at not getting caught at doing the wrong thing. But the verse says, but reprove, correct one who has understanding, and that person, they will gain understanding. When you correct them, they do not fight back. They do not become defensive. They do not become argumentative, but when you correct that person, they listen to what you're saying and they learn from the correction. It means this, they leave the episode knowing more than they knew when it started. And so here's this event, they got corrected, they were willing to listen and receive uh, to the correction and they leave the episode knowing more then they knew when the episode started. Now, let me just say this. Teachers, parents of any shape, that's our goal. That's the goal, that they would be interacting with us and they would leave the episode having been taught, having been trained. They would leave the episode knowing more than when they started the episode. However, listen, it's not speaking to the teacher. It's not speaking to the parent. Notice in the verse, it is teaching the learner. Here's the truth of this verse. If you want to learn, and if you want to accumulate knowledge, if you want to grow, and if you want to prosper, you have to humble yourself to take correction. Now listen, that's a hard thing. It is a hard thing to take correction. If you, if you want to learn, if you want to grow, you have to humble yourself to take correction. Now, we're going to come back to that subject in a moment. All right, verse 26. He who assaults his father and drives his mother away is a shameful and disgraceful son. He who assaults his father and drives his mother away is a shameful and disgraceful son. All right, watch this. 
God has a social order. Do you know that? God has a social order. The government doesn't set our social order. We think it does. Society does not set, the culture does not set our social order. We think that it does. Listen very carefully. God has a social order, which means this. He has a plan of how we are to operate as people in society. The social order is set by God. Now watch this. In God's social order, everyone is provided for. In God's social order, everyone is provided for. You can go and we can talk about it, but if for the poor, he provides for them in his social order. For widows, for orphans, for those that are old, for those that are young, kids, there is a way of provision in God's social order. Now listen, a big part of that is found in the home. God's structure for life, a big part of his social order is in the home. Now watch this. And so when you mess up the home, you mess up the social order that has been ordained by God in his wisdom. What does that look like? It looks like chaos. And so when you mess up the home and the workings of the home, you mess up the social order ordained by God and you have all sorts of chaos. Watch this. In God's system, parents are responsible for kids, period. That's his social order. That's his structure. In God's system, parents... There's a deal that came out, I guess, about 20 years ago. It takes a village to raise a kid. Nonsense. It takes a parent to raise a kid. In God's system, parents are responsible for kids. You're going to start to have chaos when somebody else is responsible for the kid outside of God's social order. Now listen, if there is a problem, one of the parents takes off. One of the parents dies. Two of the parents dies. If there is a problem, God has a plan for that in the social order. You know what the church is supposed to do? Take care of orphans. There's a, there's a plan that God has to take care of those in his social order. In God's system, parents are responsible for kids. Now listen, and at a point, kids are responsible for the parents. That's his social order at a point. Now, it gets here a lot faster than I, than I thought it would. <laughs> Carrie always says, my kids are going to pick my rest home. At a point, your kids then become responsible for the parents. Now, here's what this says. A person who abuses their parents runs off their parents, that's the picture, escaping their responsibility, avoiding their responsibility, neglecting it, is shameful and disgraceful. Now, our culture is a little bit different. It may not look like what they thought, but a person that neglects the responsibility of making sure their parents are taken care of, they're shameful and disgraceful. Here's what I've decided. If you want to know the character of other people, I believe this. If you want to know the character of other people, watch how they treat other people, especially their kids and their parents. And are they generous? 
Are they kind? Are they trustworthy? Should I do business with them? What kind of person are they? I think if you want to know what kind of person a person is, you watch how they treat people, especially their kids. Are they a nuisance to them? Are they a bother to them? Are they, I'm going to pass them off as fast as I can, especially their parents. There is a social order, and God makes provision for all in his social order. Verse 27. Cease listening, my son, to discipline, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Cease listening, my son, to discipline, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Now, again, this is a familiar subject. It is talking about, again, taking correction, learning from others in humility. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to see this. There will be no learning apart from humility. And that's, that's kind of a, a statement that may fly over us and just pass by. But there is no learning that will take place apart from submissive humility. Now, what that means is to learn, to actually learn, you have to say, there's something I don't know. There's something I need to know. There's something this person knows. And I've got to humble myself to sit under their teaching, to take in what they are teaching. There will be no learning apart from humility. People say today, schools are a wreck. Can't teach kids. No one will listen. You know what's missing in our world? Humility. We raise kids and they're the biggest deal. They've already got 19 Super Bowl rings by the time they're in fifth grade. And somebody said, you're smart and you know all things and we serve you and we'll run around and we'll spend a fortune making sure you have all the things that you want. And they're little geniuses sitting there and there is no humility. I'm talking about old people too. Listen, there will be no learning apart from humility. Well, here's what the verse says. If you cease listening to discipline, it says you will stray from knowledge, from wisdom. You will stray from the words of knowledge. Now, here's, here's what that means. It means you started listening. That's, that's the important thing here. You cease listening. It means you started listening. You were listening. You were taking in the words of wisdom and you stopped. You quit. You thought you'd arrived. You thought, I know enough. I know more than they know. And so you have ceased taking in the words of wisdom. You have stopped taking in the words of wisdom. I want you to see this. When you stop and when you cease taking in the words of wisdom, here's what the Bible says. You will stray. The word actually means in the original language, you will wander off. You ever watch that happen? Somebody's there and somebody's there and they're getting it and you look up and they've drifted off. When you cease taking in the words of wisdom, you will drift away from words, the words of knowledge. Here's what that means. Here's the takeaway. Whatever our stage of life, wherever we're at tonight, we have to be putting in the words of wisdom. Now we've learned this. It's talking about the word of God. 
You have to be putting in the Word of God. And I don't care how long you've been putting in the Word of God, you cannot cease putting in the Word of God. You cannot stop putting in the Word of God. And that's the thing. When we start to be prideful and say, you know what, I've got enough of the Word of God. I've, I've arrived at a place I'm comfortable. When you cease taking in the Word of God, you're going to stray. You're going to drift away from the words of truth. Here's the deal. It is an effort. Here's the deal of the verse. It is a consistent effort. It is an ongoing effort for all people. It is an ongoing effort. And when you stop, here's, here's what I see in this picture. It doesn't matter how far you got, you'll start to drift. And so there's folks, and man, they've studied in God's Word, and they've grown in God's Word, and they get busy. I don't know. Maybe they get distracted. Maybe they get mad. But they stop, and it doesn't matter how far they got, they start to drift away from the truth of God's Word. You start to stray when you get out of the Word of God. That's what God says. We have to be consistent. Verse 28. A rascally witness makes a mockery of justice, and the mouth of the wicked spreads iniquity. A rascally witness makes a mockery of justice, and the mouth of the wicked spreads iniquity. Now, this is going to tell me my age. Some of you here are too young to know what this means, but we used to think about rascally rabbits. Remember that? A rascally rabbit. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. This is talking about a rascally witness. Now, the word rascally, it's a pretty interesting word. It means they won't be settled. It means they're shifty. The rascally rabbit, he's here and he's over there. A rascally witness, they're shifty. They're, they're not truthful. They have one story over there and they have a different story over here. And when you press them over here, they have a different shape of a different story over there. They will not be settled in their words. Here's what the verse says. You can't have justice because you can't find justice because you can't find the truth in a rascally, shifty witness, a liar. You'll never have justice with a liar. You know why? Because you can't find the truth. They're going to change it every time you press them. It goes on, the verse goes on and it says, in the mouth of the wicked, the evil person spreads iniquity. That word means sin. The mouth of the evil person, the mouth of the wicked, spreads sin. Now think about this and see if it's not true. One of the great inducements to sin is generally the mouth sometimes of another person. And there's a lot of ways that we're pulled into sin. There's a lot of ways we're lured into sin. But one of the great enticements, inducements to enter into sin is the mouth of another person. Here's what it says. The words of wicked people produce sin, encourages sin. Division, jealousy, strife, pride, all of those things. The words of a wicked person, the fruit of the lips of a, a wicked person produces sin. So again, we have the, the call. Do not be like that. Do not speak like that. All right, last verse, verse 29. Judgments are prepared for scoffers and blows for the back of fools. 
<laughs> That's not a politically correct statement, is it? Judgments are prepared for scoffers and blows for the back of fools. Verse 29, there are two groups of people again, and we've seen them all the way through Proverbs. There's two groups of people. First, we see the scoffer, the one that laughs at God's wisdom, the one that not only denies God's wisdom, but mocks God's wisdom as he does it. That is a scoffer. And the fool, the fool knows God's wisdom, but chooses to ignore it. They're not ignorant. They're, they're a fool. They know the truth and they choose to operate outside of the truth. So in verse 29, there's these two people, the scoffer and the fool. And here's what the verse says, waiting on those two, there, are, there is judgment, which means a penalty, and there are blows, which means a punishment. Waiting on those two people, the, the scoffer, the fool, there are penalties and punishments that are waiting. Now, here's the deal about that. They may think they're getting away with it, but here's the deal. Sin always brings trouble. Now, there's two, there's two sides to this. One of them is, is now in the state that we're in right now. Listen, be sure. Sin always brings trouble. It always breeds trouble. You may think you're getting away with it. It may be way down the line, but there's always trouble that comes out of sin. If you deny God's word, if you mock God's word, there will be consequences. But there's a double side of that, and the other side is this. And ultimately, those that deny God's promises those that are outside of Christ and they continue to reject God's word, there is coming for them, here's what the Bible says, a literal, eternal judgment and punishment for those that have mocked and rejected God's word, have not repented and turned to Jesus Christ, there is coming a punishment for those people. Listen, their answer and our answer is found in Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of sin we have in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for this time. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for your truth. I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, that we'd be doers of your word. I pray we'd be shaped by what we heard tonight, that we'd understand it's important, so important, that our eternal creator God preserved it and gave it to us tonight to hear. Lord, I, again, I pray that, that we would be wise in taking it in, that we wouldn't reject your teaching, your instruction. We wouldn't scoff at it. We wouldn't mock it, but we would put it into practice and that we would uphold your name, bring glory to your name in doing that. Lord, I pray for the folks here tonight. I pray that you bless them, that you encourage them. I pray as we go back into a, a culture that's hard, that's tough, that marches in a different direction, I pray that we would hold high the truth of God's word. I pray that you be pleased in that. Lord, I pray as we go back to a world where most folks, many folks do not know Jesus Christ, I pray that we would be the, the tellers of good news as we heard this morning. Help us in that. I pray for moms here tonight. I pray for dads here tonight. I pray for grandparents here tonight. I pray for the young folks here tonight that they've been instructed. I pray for the oldest folks here tonight that they've been encouraged as they stay in your word. Lord, we just come and we end this Lord's Day by praising you, 
by worshiping you, by thanking you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.